Okay, everyone, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we've got a meeting after this one, and I want to get through this and give us plenty of time to take a little break before we do that. Um, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, if this is your first time with us, basically, we're just going through the Baptist faith and message. Uh, I've got copies of it on the middle table here. This is just Article 2, so if you didn't get it last week, you can grab a copy here. If you did get it last week, it's the same thing. You don't have to get that. But everyone should have gotten a single um, double-sided sheet of paper. It's got some phrases kind of on it with space separation and then application on the back. So hopefully everyone got a copy of that. If you need one, I think I see some extras on the back here. There may be some at the end of the other tables. So you can just kind of raise your hand and we'll pass that to you if anybody needs it right here at the middle. Great. So I've gotten it broken down for you on this single paper. If you want to see how it's changed over time, that's what this um, paper with the green writing and the red, that's what that does for you. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we'll dive right in. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us a building to shelter us from the elements. And we thank you, Lord, that you are sending the elements our way. Lord, thank you. Please, please, please give us ample water and sustain us and take care of us. We do lift up the rest of our state as these fires are, are burning through. Uh, Lord, we know that there are many people who are suffering loss of property, loss of goods, that it's just a hard, hard time. So, Lord, please be with those. Give us opportunities here to lend aid where we can. And uh, just uh, for tonight, Lord, please speak to us as we continue to think about who you are and what we believe as Baptists. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray all these things in his name. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to dive right in so we can get through this. Um, this time, it all actually worked out where I can do it in order. So we're starting on um, section A, or section 1 of article 2. The original article only had just article 2, God, and that was it. And we kind of looked at that last week. Well then, starting in 1963, and then in 2000, 63 added a section for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then the 2000 version kept that, adding a few things, but really not adding a lot. They basically just kind of kept it and um, just added a couple of things. We'll see that here in just a moment. So what we're looking at now was not in the original Baptist faith and message. This came up in, 60, in 1963, and then uh, 2000 we affirmed it, adding a few phrases. So first, we're going to start with this first part of the article here. It says, God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. So let's break down exactly what it is that this is saying here. The word providential means involving divine foresight or intervention. So providential means involving divine foresight or intervention. That is to say, I can see something before it takes place or and or I intervene in order to accomplish a purpose. So that's what providential means. So when the Baptist faith and message says that God the Father, one of his things that he does is reigns with providential care. That can be summarized with this word, sovereignty, sovereignty. 
This is to say that God has supreme power and authority over everything he's made. He is the sovereign, the king of creation. So because he made it, he has power over it and authority over it. If you attack either his power or authority, you are basically threatening his sovereignty. Okay, So he is authoritative and powerful. Now this uh, providential care is not just foreknowledge, knowing things beforehand, it's also intervention into his creation. There's this idea, and some founders of our country kind of had this idea about God that he was the great watchmaker, the designer, who created the cosmos, set it into motion, and then takes a step back and is no longer involved in his creation. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a God who is intimately involved even now over his creatures, intervening in the universe and in the flow of human history. So this covers everything in the universe, everything in it, creatures, human history. And I want to show you now some scriptures to kind of support these ideas that we're bringing up. So the first one is in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to see here this idea from Scripture, God reigning with providential care over His universe. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what it says. Talking about Jesus, God is speaking now by His Son in verse 2, whom He appointed the heir of all things and through whom he created the world. So Jesus created the world. He, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So we talked about that a little bit last week. No division of nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So why is it that the universe is functioning today? Because God upholds it by the word of his power. He is keeping the universe running. I saw this presentation a long time ago. If you zoom in on a certain type of thing in your skin, it's a cell. And its job is to keep your skin attached to your muscles, essentially. I don't remember the name of it. But if you zoom way in and you look at it, the configuration of the cells, it kind of looks like a cross. And the thing was, look, God's even holding your skin on your body. Uh, what is it? Luminin. Luminin. Okay. God is even holding the skin on your body. And while you look at that, you're like, oh, are you stretching it? At the end of the day, we do have to affirm God is upholding the universe by the word of his power. If he is predetermined ahead of time to communicate to us, I'm even holding your skin on your body. You know what? Okay. I accept that. God is, is providentially reigning over everything. Next passage I want to show you is Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. And while you're turning there, we're going to look at God's providential care and reigning over the flow of human history. But I want to point out to you that if you go back to Isaiah 45, God promises to send a man, Cyrus, who at the time this was written, the man is not even born. He would end up being Cyrus the Great, a king of Persia who would be involved in getting Israel back to their land. 
And God promises in Isaiah 45 to use Cyrus before Cyrus was even born. So God is involved in the flow of history. But we're going to look at Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. I'll start in verse 8. It says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. So we see this here. God, from the beginning, declares the end. And he says, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. This is God's providential reigning over uh, the, the stream of human history is how they phrase it. I think that's good. Okay. We also see examples of this. We won't turn here, but you can look later. In Exodus, when Pharaoh hardens his heart against God. If you go back and look at the text... I believe that there's ten times that that happens. Half the time, Pharaoh is hardening his heart, but then the other half, the text says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. So, we see here, and I'll go ahead and get you to start turning now to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Ephesians 1, 11. And as you're turning there, this passage here in Isaiah mentions, God says, I will accomplish all my purpose. That word purpose is important for us. We're going to see it again here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Ephesians 1, 11. This text says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose, there's that word, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So notice these phrases. According to the purpose. According to the counsel of his will. So God is intimately involved in his creation, working out what he is already, the word used here is predestined to take place. This is his providential care in the flow of human history. One more example of this, uh, one of my favorite examples here, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 29. Acts 4, 23 through 29. And we can't keep doing this all day, but we'll do this one more, and then we'll move on to the next phrase here. Acts 4, 23 through 29. And here in the book of Acts, there's persecution in the church, so Peter and John are brought before a council and they're told, stop teaching in Jesus' name. They're released. And then in verse 23, it picks up and it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his, against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, 
both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. It says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So notice the similarities here in the language. The reference to the sovereign Lord. The fact that he made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. He made the universe, everything in it. That he purposed Herod and Pontius Pilate. They were anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So notice, there's God's hand and his plan. That's the purpose and then the intervention in providential care. He has a plan and then he intervenes to ensure that his plan takes place. So all of this that we see in the Baptist faith and message is essentially a detailed, theologically precise way of saying God is in control. And his control extends to everything he creates. There is nothing that's going to get out of hand. It's not like he's spinning the planets and then he starts to lose one of them. He's in complete control over everything. This should be a comfort to us. So next, moving through, we've got this next phrase. Uh, He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. Now, here are some fancy words, if you would like them, to describe God's attributes here. The first word is omnipotent. It's omni, O-M-N-I, and then potent, P-O-T-E-N-T. Omnipotent, that is all-powerful, the phrase they use here. The second word is omniscient, O-M-N-I, and then kind of like science, S-C-I-E-N-T, omniscient, that is all-knowing. And then the third one, omni-benevolent, omni-benevolent, that is God is all good, where I'm going to give you here for all loving, and I don't have one of those for all wise, so we're just going to say wise, okay? So God is all powerful, he's all knowing, he's also all present, it's interesting to me that that's not here in the Baptist faith and message, but he is, he's all present, omnipresent, he's all powerful, all knowing, all loving, and all wise. Now these attributes don't just apply to God himself. They also apply to everything he does. God doesn't ever do something unloving, ever. Now, this is hard for us sometimes because we have things in our life that are hard. Tragedy and sadness and brokenness. It's important that we affirm God is all loving and everything he does is always loving. God doesn't ever do something that's unwise. He knows all possible outcomes of anything that you could ever conceive of happening. His knowledge extends to all actual things, things that are, and all potential things. Things that don't exist, but if it did, God knew what that would be like too. He doesn't have to imagine and calculate. He already knows. So he is all wise and all loving, and everything he does falls into these categories here. Now, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 added a phrase here that the previous did not have. The previous had, he's all powerful, all loving, and all wise. The Baptist Faith and Message 2000 added a phrase, all knowing. And if you remember from last week, 
they also added a section in about God's perfect knowledge in the opening article. They added a section on that. Okay, so as a reminder, especially for those maybe who weren't here last week, there was this idea that was gaining steam, this idea of open theism, the idea that God doesn't necessarily know all things. He doesn't know what his free creatures are going to do or else they wouldn't be free. So God is learning. Every time we make a decision, God learns, oh, well, that's what that's like. And his knowledge is expanding. Now, that's a very simplified way of presenting the position, but that's essentially what it teaches. So they are combating this, uh, this false doctrine by saying that God is all-knowing and then even affirming it here. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. Okay. So now we can move on to this last one here, and then I'm going to give us some application and provide hopefully a little bit of time for some discussion if you'd like. This third one here says, God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. The reason that we call God Father is because that's how he refers to himself in Scripture. God wants us to think of himself as Father. This isn't like a man-made idea. We didn't just think, what's a good way to think about the Trinity? I know. Let's do like Father, Son, Spirit. That's, that's awesome. We didn't come up with that terminology. God comes up with that terminology. He wants us to think of himself as Father. And the Baptist faith and message affirms this in at least two different ways here. It says he's the Father in truth, to those who become children of God through faith. And then he is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. So God acts in a fatherly way towards all people, but then he is actually father in a different way to those who are believers. And we're going to look at that in the scriptures here in just a moment. Okay, You can go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 32, uh, verse 6. Deuteronomy 32, 6. Deuteronomy 32, 6. So here we're going to see the first aspect, how God is fatherly towards all men, not just believers, but all men, those who rebel against him and everything. Here in Deuteronomy, this is coming on the tail end of Israel's wilderness wandering. So he's speaking to all of Israel, whether they're rebellious or obedient. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. It says, do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you when the most high gave to the nations their inheritance. When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. And this here is applying to all of Israel, not just spiritual Israel, those who are, we would say, born again in our New Testament time. This is all of Israel, both the rebellious and the obedient here. God is fatherly towards them 
all. But then we see a different aspect of this in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 15. These are both verses that the Baptist faith and message provided here, Deuteronomy and Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 15. And in this passage here, we're going to see how God is our father in a unique way, in a way that he is not father to those who are not believers. Romans eight fourteen through 15. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This term here is like an endearing term. It's calling God Father in a way that most people don't. In the way that you may recognize I'm a dad, but then Kristen looks at me and says, Hi, Dad. That's what's going on here. The Christian is able to communicate with God in such a way because we are adopted into the family of God. So one of the privileges that we get in adoption is that we get to call on God as Father in a way that other people cannot. They can speak to God and about God, but he doesn't relate with them in that communication as he relates with us. And I'm going to give a few examples of this. And then we're going to turn this after these examples and and get some application out of this. Uh, Turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Matthew 7, 11. And I'll actually back up to verse 7 here. So Matthew chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse 7. But you'll see the reference to Father here in verse 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I think if you look in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 6, I believe. Uh, I I think it's chapter 6. But if you look in Luke, this is also repeated, but it's right after Jesus gives instructions on prayer. So this asking here is in reference to prayer to the Father. So one of our privileges as sons and daughters of God is that we get to ask God for things because he's our father. Think about this. The providentially reigning creator of the universe, the owner of everything in it, who pre-purposes and plans and intervenes into creation, this God wants you to ask him for things. He wants you to talk to him, to express your desires. This is mind-boggling why he would do this, but he does, because we are his children. And because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise, he gives us good and perfect gifts in response to our prayers. 
Next passage, we've got two more we'll look at before we give some application. Is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. Hebrews 12, 9 through 10. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. Here we see a different dimension of God's relationship to us as our Father. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 9, says, Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. So the previous passage speaks about our sonship in terms of relating with and talking with God. This passage speaks about another aspect of our relationship to God as Father. God, our Father, disciplines us as his children. And notice here in the text what the purpose is. He disciplines us in verse 10, number one, for our good... And number two, that we may share in his holiness. So God's discipline is loving. It's for our good. And it is all wise. He is shaping us into something that we are not currently. As our fathers did for us when we were growing up. This last passage, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 17. I believe that one's also in the Baptist faith and message, but I'm going to read through verse 19. 1 Peter 1, 17. And I'll extend down uh, through 19. Here's what it says. If you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear. Throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So the charge here is for us to pursue holiness as God's children. If you look at the previous instruction He's actually referencing here the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, where it says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. So if you call on God as Father, the Holy One, and if He judges impartially according to each one's deeds, what ought we to do? Conduct yourselves with fear. This is a holy God that we serve. We can't take these things lightly, because God is holy, and He's our Father. And He who is all-powerful and all-knowing, He knows all of these things, and so we should serve him in obedience. Now, this is kind of getting into our application here. We'll go ahead and look at these together. I've given you four reasons to submit in relation to God as Father, four reasons to submit in relation to God as Father, and then two ways to submit in relation to God as Father. When we think about God as our Father... It is appropriate whenever we are children, we submit to our parents. Well, God is our Father, we submit to Him. That's how we relate to God 
the Father. I've got four reasons that we should do so. And then I've got two ways. And all of this is in light of the Baptist faith and message and how they articulated it. So the first reason here, submit to God because he is all powerful. Submit to God because he is all powerful. It really helps us, maybe not you, it does me, knowing if I speed, I will get a ticket. That helps me to not speed. It helps me to not blow through a stop sign when I know a cop will pull me over for that and give me a ticket for that. There's other reasons that I should not do that. But the point stands as we think about our relationship to God. The reason that that works is because there is an authority that has power over me to help control the way that I act. In the same way, God is all-powerful. Power and authority are strong motivators when it comes to submission. Uh, I don't know how many of you have met my dad. I think he, um, when he comes, uh, he might have come to Tom's Sunday school class maybe once or twice. My dad looks nothing like me. He is a big, I mean like muscular. He was lifting up a crate in the back of a truck once. Someone was carrying it with him. It's one of those that you have to forklift. Well, they couldn't get the forklift in, and they had to pick up this pallet and try to wedge it on top of something. He drives 18-wheelers. And the guy that was over on the opposite side, they pick it up, and that guy dropped his half. And my dad tried to pin the weight against the truck and catch the weight of it, and he ripped his forearm. It tore his tendon. He said, I could hear it tear like someone tearing cloth. (sighs) You're welcome for that detail. So he went to the hospital. And the doctors looked at his forearm and they opened it up and they had to go in and reattach something. And the doctor made this, coming, made this comment coming out. He said, this man's got forearms like Papa." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't get that. Let me tell you what, that man can give a spanking. His power and authority was a powerful motivator for me growing up. God's power and authority should be a powerful motivator for us in submission to him. Number two, submit to God because he is all-knowing. Submit to God because he is all-knowing. Not only is he all-powerful, he knows everything. I've got another childhood story. I've got a thousand of these, okay? I was working at Sonic, and I was in trouble. I was supposed to come right home after work. We were living at my grandmother's house at the time. I was supposed to come right right back home after work. I did not like that because there was a video game that I wanted to purchase that had just come out, and all my friends were getting it that day, and I wasn't getting it because I had to go home early. I think it was Halo. Halo 3, maybe? That's the best one. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Anyway... I wanted to get this video game. I was at work. I think I had to work from four to like maybe nine or something like that. Well, then my boss comes up to me at about 630. And he says, hey, Garrett, we're kind of slow. They have a certain percentage rate. We're paying this much right now to people, but we're making this rush right now. Labor rate. We need our labor rate to drop. Okay. so do you want to you want to go home early and bright me? I had an idea. I'm expected home at 9. I'm getting off at 6.30. So I said, 
I would love to get off early. Yes, sir. I go out and get in my car and I call my cousin. Say, hey, Christian, we're going to get the game, buddy. He was like, what? And I said, yeah, I'm off work. Yeah, I'm, we're doing this. And so I'm coming down the road. I'm going to pick him up at my aunt's house. We're going to get in the car and go. I, we get to the house. He comes out. He gets in. And we're excited. And we're driving down airline or Benton Road. Then I get a phone call from mom on my cell phone. She never calls me. Instantly, I know, oh, no. Because I knew at this point, if she's calling me, she knows I'm not at work. She would call the work phone. She's done it before. I answer the phone. Hello? Uh, Where are you at? I'm not about to lie because she's going to know I'm lying. I'm like, I'm in the car. (laughs) Well, what are you doing in the car? I'm driving. I don't know where she's seen me. For all I know, she's passed me up on the road. I'm like, I'm driving into town. Well, what are you doing? I've got to study with some friends. And I got off work early. And so we needed a book. And I'm going to, I mean, I'm like weaving this thing out. of. And she goes, turn the car around. Drop off your cousin and come home right now. I was like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. Hung up that phone. I thought I was going to die before I got to the house. She had called my aunt, was on the phone, and Aunt Kathy was like, oh, oh yeah, you want to go with Garrett? That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Christian goes out. Mom's like, what? And she found out. Okay. I thought, mom's not all-knowing. I can get away with this. I can lie. Look, I was a dumb kid. Well, we got a ton of dumb kids in here. You think you can get away with it? You can't. Okay? Especially in Gina. You can't get away with it. Don't try. Okay? I was one of those. I didn't learn the lesson. I learned it after this. There are some things that I did growing up that my parents do not know about. Oh, shocker. (laughs) They knew this one. They didn't know everything. There are some things that I, I mean, not intentionally, I just, they, they didn't hear. I think I recently told them about this one, but anyway, if not, you hear it now. Love you, Mom. God knows everything. Before I even got off the clock and got into the car, he knew everything that was churning in this, in this. He knew it. Do not think for a second that you can get away with something. He knows it. So we ought to submit to him because he is all-knowing. Number three, submit to God because he is all-loving. Submit to God because he is all-loving. When we think about his all-powerful and his all-knowing, we might be afraid and feel like, I'm just, I'm just doing this because I'm afraid of God. Okay? We don't just have to submit out of fear. We don't only fear our earthly fathers. We have a healthy fear, but I love my dad. I'm not afraid of my dad. When I see my dad, I get happy. He walked into the church service. It was several months ago. I don't think I was expecting him to come. He just showed up. And I see him walk in the back, and I I start, I'm I'm a baby, I start tearing up a little bit. I'm like, there's my dad. I love my dad. I don't just submit to him out of fear. And because he is very wise, I submit to him because I love him. And it's the same thing with God the Father. We submit because we love God and we know he loves us. So we submit to him. Number four, 
Submit to God because He is all wise. Just like you realize now, looking back, how much your parents knew what they were talking about. You look back, and you, it, when I was younger, I'm like, they don't know what they're talking about. I get older, I'm like, man, they were really wise. What should I do now, Mom? What should I do now, Dad? We don't realize that early on. And in the same way, sometimes we can think, we may not ever say this or articulate it, but we act in a way that, ah, oh, but does God really know what he's talking about here? Is this really the wisest thing to do? Maybe there'd be a better way to do this. We don't ever have to wonder whether or not God knows what he's talking about. Of course he does. He's all wise. So we should submit to him. So that's four powerful motivators, four reasons to submit in relation to God as our father. Now, here's two ways that we should do that. And there's more than two. This is exhaustive. But in light of the father passages we read, these are two applications I pulled out of it. Number one, relate to God as father by praying. Relate to God as Father by praying. That is an act of submission to Him as Father. We're recognizing you're my Father and I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to ask of you. It's not a coincidence that the Bible refers to God as Father in conjunction with passages that speak about asking God of something. Multiple times this happens. If you think about it, the only reason we pray to God is because we actually believe that he providentially reigns over all things. It would make no sense to pray to God if we didn't think he could actually do something about it. I call my mom and dad because I know they have answers. If I didn't know they had answers, I wouldn't call them. i call somebody else. I need answers. I get on Google, like most of us probably do anyway. Why do I do this? If God didn't providentially reign... I wouldn't pray things like, God, would you send us rain, please? I have to believe that he can actually answer that if I'm going to ask it. So the first thing we need to do is pray. This is the foundation of our prayers. If we reject this, we have no good grounding for our prayers. It doesn't mean that you can't pray. It means you're going to have a hard time explaining why you pray. Okay, So we should pray. Pray like you actually believe God is in control of everything because he is. Pray that way. Second thing, relate to God as father by obeying. Relate to God as father by obeying. God's discipline is intended to shape us into the image of his son. Christian literally means little Christ. That's what that means. This is what God is shaping us to be. He is slowly shaving off these parts of us. Uh, I don't remember who it was that made the, um, the statue of David. Who was that? Somebody help me out with this. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Okay, make fun of me later. You'll get the point here in just a second. I know this much. As he's making it, they ask him, like, how did you know what to do? And his response was, I just took off everything that wasn't David. If I saw something that's not David, I'm like, David wouldn't look like that. This would be smaller. I shave it off. That is what God is doing in us in molding us into little Christians. Everything that's not like Jesus, he is shaving it off. Now, that's a painful process. That's why the Bible calls it discipline. Discipline's not fun. Ask our children. They don't like it. It is, that's right. It is for a purpose. 
He is shaping us. Unfortunately, a lot of times we ignore God's discipline. We refuse to be shaped by our heavenly Father. So we ought to obey God as Almighty Father. Okay. So in light of all of that, I hope that this has encouraged you. This unites us as Baptists. We believe in God the Father, who acts as a father towards us. We are his children, and that's a wonderful thing that ought to be celebrated and upheld in our denomination and in Christianity in general. Are there any questions related to any of the content or just any general questions I can try to answer about God as Father or His attributes? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yes. Is that the one where he goes into the planets and everything? The farthest star and then the smallest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I was heavenly youth one year and Terry just watched that for you. Yes. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had been thinking about this recently and wanted to go back and look at that. Yeah, YouTube is amazing. You can find almost anything there. That's wonderful. Yeah, very good. Thank you for that. Any other questions? Okay, I'll pray. We'll be done. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the privilege of just being able to do this right now and to come and talk to you in prayer knowing that you are upholding the universe by the word of your power. You are intervening in human history all around the globe, yet you stop and listen to us in the midst of all that without ever dropping the ball anywhere because you are all powerful and you hear us and it pleases you to hear us. Lord, what a gift. Thank you. Thank you. We ask that you continue to bless our time as we study through the Baptist faith and message, not because we believe it to be more powerful than your word, but because we believe it to be a faithful explanation of what we believe your word teaches, Lord. Thank you for your word and teaching us these wonderful truths. Thank you for these men that got together and put these truths together in a way that's easy for us to understand, to articulate, and to study. Lord, please continue to bless our time as we work through the Baptist faith and message, as we sharpen our minds in understanding what your word teaches, what we believe as Baptists, as Christians. Lord, we ask in just a moment that you be with us in our time of discussing the building here in just a short moment, that you would guide and direct us as a church, that we might be faithful in discharging the responsibilities and the purposes that you have given us here and now. Help us to be faithful and help us to be fruitful in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.